Creation, Book of Portals, Chapter 2. She didn't always want to be an astronaut, but since she was the only child, the only heir to the space explorer throne, it was the sole profession her family encouraged her to pursue. And by encouraged, what really happened was the things she once found joy in were gradually removed from her life until she eventually chose to find joy in science. She often wondered what her life would have become if she had a brother, a sister, a cousin, or a sibling of any sort that could have diverted the attention from her. Would she be a singer? A doctor? A presidential candidate? When she was younger, she enjoyed sketching. She wanted to be an artist. She'd have endless notebooks filled to the brim of drawings, and they were quite good. Of her teachers, her friends, her family, alien creatures her uncle would describe to her. But she'd do these sketches in place of her schoolwork, which resulted in her being caught and reprimanded. When you're the only child of a family that held a decades-long space travel legacy, you always had an eye on you even at the young age of nine. Her teachers told her parents about each infraction until she was eventually transferred to a private school that had a more strict approach of guiding the students' learning paths. Those days in school were the worst. Future Prep was the kind of school that prodigies and the offsprings of state officials went to. She even attended class with a celebrity's daughter once. Pick any president, odds were their child went to Future Prep. In that school, parents would outline the exact life path they wanted their child to be prepared for. Because she was on a science and math-focused path, she'd have her most valuable items taken from her. Art tools, phone, music player, sketchbook, etc. She wouldn't get them back until the end of the day. But even then, the course load was so rigorous, she'd be too swamped to pursue the creative outlet she was once so enamored by. Then. Once the dream of being an artist was good and squashed, her family introduced her to horseback riding, then archery, then piano, then hunting, then golf, and so on. Her family would throw her into an extra activity just to make sure she was well-rounded, but once they noticed she'd take to it more than she did to math and science, she was ripped away into something else. Eventually, she learned not to show enjoyment in anything other than the approved subjects. Soon, her pretending became real. She perfected her grades and surpassed her peers in class. She volunteered to stay after the bell in order to learn more. She helped tutor. She became everything her family wanted. She figured if it was the only way to have some semblance of consistency in her life, she'd do it to the best of her ability. She even earned top marks in multiple languages. When she graduated, she was celebrated but she knew not to be naive enough to think that was the end of it. She, like her family before her, was accepted into MIT's space program, where she would spend nearly a decade fine-tuning her craft, earning a master's degree, and accruing flight credits. She did all of this while maintaining a peak physical and mental physique before being transferred to NASA, where she received further training to achieve the position of her family's dream. She thought her mother would explode the day she was accepted into NASA's astronaut program. 
Her mother was unfortunately one of the few offspring that didn't pursue a scientific degree. She pursued journalism instead. She was great at it, of course. Her mother had been the top anchor in the nation for over a decade, while her dad was a high-ranked naval commander. But even so, they were often excluded from family dinners because of her mother's choice to deviate from the family calling. That's why she was so adamant in making sure her daughter didn't make the same mistake. They'd all be excommunicated from the family and the inheritance forever. So when she was accepted into the program, it was somewhat relieving to know the work she had sacrificed for wasn't in vain. She didn't want to imagine what it felt like to work so arduously for an achievement that would never be recognized by her family. Though it wasn't her first or even 15th choice, she grew to respect space studies. Though the story she heard through the years of aliens and other extraterrestrial beings sometimes seemed to be the only bit of fun she had during training. Like her uncle, her peers would spend their downtime concocting the wildest stories about the cosmos and the things that live beyond it. She remembered overhearing a story from a colleague who was once a conspiracy theorist. He'd tell her stories about secret, decades-old government-funded programs where they'd take teenagers from rough homes and recruit them. The teens would supposedly then be trained to make contact with other realms and entities by entering into different worlds in their sleep or something like that. She didn't know if she fully believed that. It sounded completely illegal and inhumane, not to mention unimaginable. But the story stuck with her. The good thing about those stories is that back then, just like now, after hours of floating through the vacuum of space with no outside contact, they kept her entertained. In her colleague's story, she remembered he told her the teenagers would open realities with mere thought. Intent, he said. So, as the oxygen in her suit slowly ran out, she decided to give it a try. As she focused her mind on imagining a new world, far away, just out of reach of the now minuscule beam of the flashing alarm, a ship emerged. It seemed her mind worked quickly. She was happy with that, knowing her creative imagination wasn't completely suppressed. But the ship approached swiftly smoothly, almost too smooth, given that it was hard for her to maintain focus with her decreasing oxygen levels. The ship was a sleek carbon metal color. At first, it was shaped like a sphere, but as it loomed closer, it unraveled into a long snake-like tube, winding its way through the stars. Now, it was almost imperceptible against the vacuous expanse of space. It moved almost like an animal, as if it were stalking her, studying her. Wait, she didn't want to imagine that. In its new snake-like form, the ship maneuvered faster than she thought possible, zooming through astral debris to approach her. She blinked her eyes in fear. It wasn't her imagination. 
she was being hunted by an extraterrestrial creature. As panic rose in her chest, she struggled to stay calm. Fruitlessly, she pressed a distress signal on her communication radio. But she was too far for anyone to respond. The ship closed in on her as she began to hyperventilate on her last pools of oxygen. She started to feel lightheaded. The ship circled its snake-like form around her, encasing her, ensuring that even if her jetpack did work, she would be blocked on all sides. She accepted that she would have to fight. At least some of her training would turn out to be useful. She drew her last shaky breath into her lungs, clenching her fists, preparing to fight until her air ran out. The door to the ship opened and the figure she saw standing in the doorway instantly pulled the breath from her lungs. Shocked at the sight, she drifted into unconsciousness as the figure reached toward her. Hello, this is Michaela Simone Mack, author and writer of Creation Book of Portals. Thank you so much for tuning in to the second season. I'm very excited to share this story with you. As always, every episode is coming out on Friday, so please stay tuned for next week. I would be greatly appreciative if you continue to listen and also if you left comments about what you think about the story and also if you shared it with your friends. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll speak to you again next Friday. Bye-bye.